And uh, I'm glad, I, you know, I, before, about a couple weeks ago, I said, Nick's like, I'll sing that song. I'm like, you sing? Um, but man, that's, that's some... Yeah, that's why you messed up at that spot, so everybody could know it was live. There we go, on purpose, of course, yeah. So um, I wanted to, maybe I'll do it with you, like next time. No, um, <laughs> there won't be a next time. Um, yeah, second service will be the next time, and that'll be it. But, you know, I hope when you hear that song in the future, over a billion watches on YouTube, I hope when you hear that song, you don't just think, what a silly song by Europe to open their concerts. I hope you remember that this is, we are in the final countdown. Jesus has promised to come back, and if you missed last week, go online to bridgewater.church and watch the message, because Jesus gives a timeline. He says, here's several things that have to happen before I return. And, and almost all of them have been fulfilled, not just fulfilled, but fulfilled within the lifetime of many of you here. Um, when, some of you, when you were born, Israel was not a nation. Many of those things we talked about last week had not happened yet. And many of them within my own lifetime have taken place. And so we are in the final moments. And so the question then becomes, if Jesus could return at any moment, how should we live? Um, there, there's... a uh, some friends of mine, Tom and Irene Mather. Tom Mather recently passed away. I'm not talking about him. Uh, he passed away in December. I'm talking about his parents. And Tom and Irene Mather were uh, older folks in the congregation I grew up in. I knew them as kids and teenagers. Irene was a super sweet lady, but I didn't know her before 70. And I was talking one time uh, later in life with them, and their daughter was there, and Irene was talking about how terrible of a person she was. And I'm like, Meh. and Tom was behind her going. I'm like, really? Sweet little Irene was bitter and angry and, and mean? And her daughter was like, mm-hmm. And so what had happened was uh, Tom was just a godly man, loved the Lord in World War II in the Pacific Theater, I think in the Navy, and uh, was not a chaplain, but would have a Bible study with whoever would want to, led dozens of men to Christ. He said some of them were Marines. They left the ship, and they never came back. And so just a godly man. And, and Irene, for whatever reason, I don't know why, was bitter and angry and, and pretty mean-spirited. Well, she knew something. Tom had told her about 1 Thessalonians 4, and she'd read that passage or had it read to her where it says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trump will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and so be with the Lord forever. So she knew at some point, Jesus is going to return for his church, and we're going to be raptured up to meet him in the air. And, and so she woke up one night, and she looked, and Tom wasn't there in bed with her. She's like, where'd he go? She looked outside, and the car was in the, you know, in the parking lot. And she went all over the house. He wasn't in the house. And she thought she was panic-stricken. It's the rapture. He's gone. And I'm here because I don't follow the Lord. I don't love the Lord. And she just fell to her knees and she started weeping. And she, she cried out to God, God, if it's not too late, would you take me? I want your forgiveness. I want you to be my leader, my Lord. And she'd no sooner done that when the door opened and in comes Tom. And she's like, where were you? And he's like, what's going on? It's like, I couldn't sleep in the middle of the night, so I went up and I went to chop wood out back. And, and then when I was done chopping wood, I thought I'd spend some time alone praying with God. And, 
what's happened to you? And she related everything that happened. And from that day forward, she was a changed person. She didn't go back on her, on her word to God saying, all right, it wasn't the final, you know, I'm going to live how I want. No, she, she was different. And that difference didn't take hold of her life right away. It was the beginning. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ, it's not, that's not like the, the mountaintop experience and that's the pinnacle and, and, you know, no, it's just the beginning of a relationship with God where you get to know him better and as you get to know him better and love him more, you become more like him. And that's what happened in Irene's life so that by the time I met her, she was this godly, you know, 70 and then 80-year-old woman. And, um, but... We need to be ready. She realized, my husband is ready for Jesus to come back, but I'm not ready. And so what I want everyone here when we leave to know is what it means to be ready and to live ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Mark chapter 13, we looked at this a little bit last week, um, but these are some verses following what, um, actually two weeks ago, um, when, when Joel was up here, some other verses following it. It says, The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. Jesus is telling this story about himself. And when he left home, so in the story, really, Jesus is the master who left home. And he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. So in this story, Jesus is the master. And those who are followers of Jesus are his slaves. Let me ask you this morning, are you a slave of Jesus Christ? And here's the thing, that doesn't sound like a very comfortable position. Be like, I don't want to be a slave, can't I just be his friend? And he does call us friends, but slave, because if you're not a slave of Jesus, you are a slave of someone or something else. Because that is just the nature of human beings. We were made to serve, and you will serve another person and fix your happiness on pleasing them or... You will serve yourself, and often if you're serving yourself, you're going to serve your own desires and your addictions and your pleasures and what you want, even if it's the praise of other people. And, and, and I'm telling you, no one is worthy of your life. Nothing is worthy of your life to serve and to slave away for except for Jesus Christ. And so if, if you're here this morning, so this is a message really for believers, but if you're not a believer here, this is a decision you need to make, to make Jesus your master and to become his slave. And so he says, he's telling them, watch for my return. The coming, you too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return, in the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you, what I say to everyone, watch for him. And so what he's saying here is don't, don't let him find you sleeping. He's not saying Christians should be insomniacs. Because if you fall asleep and Jesus comes back, he's going to be like, really? You couldn't like do something? And that? No, it's not about that literally. He's saying at the beginning, he says, don't be sleeping. Be doing what I told you to do. Do the work I told you to do as my servants. And so if the master comes back and, and his servants are like having a party or they're like lazy and, and sleeping instead of working out in the field or whatever, he says, there's going to be, there's going to be judgment. It's going to be unfortunate for them. They're going to be ashamed. And so we as Christians, we need to be doing what God, Jesus told us to do. And among those things, it's, it's when he left in Matthew 28, he says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. 
and baptize them and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so that's our mission as a church. As followers of Jesus, every single one of us, our mission is to make more disciples of Jesus and to make better disciples of Jesus. And uh, yeah, if you could turn the lights up, that'd be great. We have some notes some of you might have taken as you came in, um, some sheets. But um, And so how, how do you be a better disciple? How do you make more disciples of Jesus? And First um, Peter chapter 3 is going to walk us through that and how we do that in our lives. And so it starts off with this. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. This is the anti-internet verse. Okay, and this is our, our countercultural mandate from God. We need to not be like everyone else. And it is so easy when someone insults you, you, you know, I know you are, but what am I? You, you know, it's so easy to become a seventh grader, right? And, and just, just give it back. And he's saying, no. And you know what? The darker and the meaner and the more evil this world becomes, the brighter our light and the difference that we have in Jesus Christ will shine to others. I mean, if everybody's nice to you and you're nice back, people won't say, wow, he has Jesus. No, they'll be like, that's normal. But if people insult you and hurt you and you don't respond in the same way, they're going to say, "There's, what is that? Who is that? Why is that? Pay them back with a blessing. That's what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scriptures say, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. We can't tell people lies, even if that's what they want to hear. Even if the world says lying is the loving thing to do, lying is never the loving thing to do. Loving thing to do is always to tell the truth, but to do it in, in a way that is appropriate and kind. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. If we're followers of Jesus, we need to act like Jesus. If we're expecting Jesus to return at any time, we need to live like Jesus could return at any time. If we know people who are without Jesus and we don't tell them about Jesus, do you really believe what Jesus says about how he's the way, the truth, and the life? A lot of times, you know, we meet people that, that say one thing and do something else, right? The stereotypical one is the, the older guy, you know, kid, don't smoke. It's bad for your health, right? And you're like, what? You know, I, or, 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 you know, if it'd be like going to the gym and there's this athletic trainer and he's got a dozen donuts and he's on like number six and he's like, you know, you got to watch what you eat, not that junk. You know, you're like, there's, there's a disconnect here. What do we call that? Hypocrisy. Yeah. And that is one of the, in our society, there's a lot of sins that are no longer sins. And we say, oh, that's not wrong anymore. But hypocrisy is one of those things that our society is really keen on. Yeah, no, that's still wrong. And it is wrong. And we as believers, we need to not be hypocritical. We need to, if we say we're following Jesus, to live like him and to live that way. The best approach to a hostile world is a holy and a humble life. To live right before God and then to be humble about it, not to be like, yeah, you know, I just, I just know the truth and you're just pretty ignorant. 
That's, that's the difference. No, to, to be humble in following him. And the verses continue on. It says, now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? He's pointing out the fact that most of the time when you are eager to do the right thing and good things, people respond well to that. They, they don't try to hurt you, but sometimes they do. Sometimes no good turn goes unpunished. Even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. So again, if, if God's in control, if Jesus is coming back, if he's going to judge the living and the dead and set everything straight, then I don't have to set everything straight. I, I don't have to punish the evildoers. I don't have to get even. I don't have to return an insult with an insult. I don't have to prove how right I am and how wrong they are. Right? This would get no like views on the internet. Instead of owning your enemy, quietly not responding to someone who's insulting me. Like, nobody's going to click on that. Nobody wants, that's not fun. Where's, where, where do you get the, but this is how we need to live and how we need to respond to others. So when you get hurt, your response communicates what you really believe. Don't be sour. Be satisfied with Christ and don't be afraid be assured of the future. So we need to not respond to people with, with retaliation and insult. We need to respond with gentleness and respect and kindness and then not be afraid. Christians, with, with the world getting crazier and crazier, unfortunately, I see Christians getting more and more scared. What's going to happen in our schools? What's going to happen in our community? What about all these people coming over the border? What about, what about what's going on in the Middle East? And what about Iran? And what about the Gulf? And, and, and Christians just getting caught up with everybody else in this worry and fear. That's not who we need to be. That's not who Jesus, if we're following Jesus, that's not who we should be. It's not what he died for. He didn't say, I died on the cross so you could worry and be afraid of everything that's going wrong in the world just like everybody else. No, he, we need to be different. Don't be afraid um, in, in the face of, of what is happening in the world. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. And... Um, I think sometimes we don't get asked about the hope we have because we don't show that hope. We don't have that hope. We get caught up with everybody else. But then the next verse, I don't know why my clicker just stopped. So the next verse, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Gentleness and respect. That's how we are to respond to people. The best approach to sharing your faith involves gentleness and respect. And that's on that. Yeah, there we go. Gentleness. And so what I want to talk about for most of the time here is just like a little clinic of how to respond to people with gentleness and respect and what that looks like. And so number one, if you have hope, you need to give an explanation for it. How do you, how do you respond to people with gentleness and respect and give that explanation to people? Uh, number one, gentleness and respect means prioritizing. Another way of saying that is prioritizing the relationship over being right. 
and that's the next slide here, talks about that, prioritizing the relationship over being right. Um, uh, recently, this was a couple months ago, I was talking with someone, actually two different individuals, and at the time, I thought I did really well. I mean, I definitely won, you know? And, and I made it clear that what they believed was really incoherent and not consistent and really a little bit crazy. And uh, I don't know if they believed that when I walked away, but if anyone else was listening, which no one was, they surely would have you know, been like, man, Bob won, those two people, zero. Um, but as I've continued to think back about that conversation, I realized I may have been, I was on the line, I, I think I was respectful, but I definitely wasn't gentle. And I definitely wasn't thinking about a relationship. I really didn't have a relationship with them. And I almost like sealed it that I never will by how I talked. And, and that's something as Christians, we got to, as, as the world gets li- literally crazy, right? I mean, there's things that people say are true that are so verifiably, scientifically, obviously false and it's just crazy, and you want to say, you're crazy. But that's not the gentle and respectful way to talk to people, and that's not prioritizing the relationship. Now, I'm not saying you lie to someone. I'm not saying that you don't even hold, that you hold back the truth. No, I'm just saying there is a way of doing that. In fact, I'm going to talk about this again, but Second John, I've been studying that. It's a passage we're going to look at this summer. And I've always known that that the most loving thing to say to someone is always uh, truthful, right? If you're not being truthful and you think you're being loving, you're not. The most loving thing is always truth, but I never realized that the opposite is also the case. The most truthful thing is always loving. And then when I tell the truth without love, it's not really the whole truth. And so we got to put the, both of those things together. They're not opposite. They're not opposites that we need to balance. They're one thing that we need to purify with each other. And, and this is so true when we talk to other people, and it's something I've, I've fallen down on at different times in my life. So like if my neighbor, I've been inviting my neighbors to come to church, and, and recently I invited them, and they said, well, basically we're too busy. And so my response was, oh yeah, if you're too busy for church and, then, and for God, then I'm too busy for you. And you know what? God's too busy for you too. And you'll be hoping, you pagan, that he had time. You no, know, I didn't say any of that. <laughs> right? That would be awful. I'm not that stupid. Right? You just say, oh, you know, well, I'd love to have you come sometime. Thanks for, thanks for replying back, you know. And, right? We, we got we to gotta realize that um, sharing our faith and talking to others about Jesus, we need to prioritize the relationship. Yeah. And then the next thing to do is to share your story. So what I'm going to do, it's like I'm like pulling different tools out of a toolbox, different ways that you can talk to others about Jesus. And, and, and one of them is to share your story. You can go to YouTube and uh, Google Bridgewater Church and you can actually follow or subscribe or I don't know what. To We have a YouTube channel and, and you can go there 
and hundreds of people's stories about how God has worked in their lives because it's hundreds of baptisms. Last year, over 100 people baptized, and we, we tell each, have each, every person, what is your story? Write it down. Or be able to share it in, in three minutes or less, you know, just an abbreviated version. Can you do that? Have you done that? Shared your story. And, and here's the thing. You need to practice. So if you're here with someone who is following Jesus or is a friend of yours or at least isn't your enemy, like, and if you're watching online and, and maybe you're all alone, but you, if you have a friend, you need to say, hey, this is this is something I need to practice. Can I share my story with you about how I came to Christ or how God has worked in my life? Because it, it, so many things in life, if you don't practice, you're no good, right? I mean, what kind of basketball player goes on the court and has never practiced before and they decide, I'm going to go into the game? I mean, it would be really ugly. Same with any other sport. How about your job, what you do at work, <clears throat> What would that be like if you show up to fix a generator? You've never even seen a generator before. Like, how is that going to go? You'd be terrible. You'd fail. And yet, in our spiritual lives, we think we can just wing it. This is why we don't share our story, because we know. I'm not going to be good at this. Why? Because I've never practiced. So practice. Practice with Ryan and Rebecca. Practice with Sarah. Practice with Nick. And say, hey, let me practice with your kids. Tell your kids to, we need to, and, and to share your story and, and to have a short version of it. Okay, there is the, you know, some of you, whew, there is the three-hour version with 18 characters and five plot lines, okay? That's wonderful, okay? But, but let's, 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 let's kind of make a short version that you can use more often because most people, they aren't, they aren't ready for this kind of a thing where I talk to you for like a half hour straight. Like they're, they're, they're going to nod off before that. Th thank you for not nodding off. Here's, here's another thing. I keep forgetting. My clicker doesn't work. Number three, different ways of, of when sharing your faith is learn a simple explanation of the gospel, Okay, so this is like <clears throat> just a different tool. So a lot of people aren't ready for this, right? They're, they're ready for a story or whatever. But if someone says, like this man said to Harry last week in Tunkhannock, Harry's not a pastor. And this guy that knows Harry and is a friend of his, he comes, I don't even know who Harry is. But he goes to Harry and he says, hey, I want to have a relationship with God. Can you help me out with that? Would you be able to explain it? And would you be able to do it succinctly? Or, or would you like stumble around for like 15 minutes? And so here's, here's, here's my version of it. Six words long, right? Make Jesus your forgiver and leader. Six words. That's the, that's the good news. That's what everyone has to do. I used to say, make Jesus your Savior and Lord. Okay, and, but I've kind of updated it. What does it mean to be your Savior? It means, well, to, and, and so you, you cannot take six words like that and then you unpack it and explain it. And say, so we need to all at a point in our lives make a decision. That's what becoming a Christian is. It's nothing you're born into. It's a decision. And it's a decision to make Jesus your savior or forgiver. Some people try to save themselves. They think they can work it off on their own. They, they don't think they need Jesus to die for them. They want to pay for their sins by the good things they do. It doesn't work. 
And then the other side is to make him your Lord. You know, you need to make him your master and follow him and not, not live for yourself. Are you ready to do that? Make Jesus your Savior and Lord. A lot of times it's good to have one verse to go along with it. And um, my, one of my verses is Romans 10.9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So is Jesus your Lord? It's not a magic words. Have you really made him your Lord and you're ready to follow him? You gave him your life. And is he your Savior? Do you believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead for you? And so Romans 10, 9 is, is my six words. That's how I like to share the gospel. Here's another way. It's Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And I say, yes, my clicker works again. So you can draw this out on a piece of paper for someone or on a napkin even and just, just say, okay, so it says the wages of sin is death. You know, when you work a job, you get wages. You get paid money. When you steal from someone, you get wages. You get fined or you get thrown into prison, right? And the wages of our sin is eternal death and hell. And, and it it's makes this barrier and this chasm between us and God, our sin and the consequences of our sin. So how do we go from here? How, how do we avoid death and the wages of our sin? How do we get to God? Well, that's the second part. And he says the gift of God is eternal life. And so how do we get that gift? Well, it's through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's why Jesus died. Have you asked him to forgive you? Have you asked him to take your place in your punishment? And is he your Lord? That's not Jesus' last name, Lord. That's a title that, that you need to decide. Am I going to be my own Lord and my own boss, or am I going to make Jesus my Lord? Because that's the only way to God is to, to let him pay the wages of our sin and to make him our Lord so we can be right with God, right? Learn, again, and this takes practice, learn a simple explanation of the gospel. Be able to do that quickly. This is where you can, I, maybe we should have had some for you. It's on the back of uh, the piece of paper coming in. If you want notes, you can get them on your way out. And it has that little drawing on the back. Um, this is how you use a track. Some of you know what tracks are. Um, you don't just like, you know, throw it in at, at somebody or leave it as a tip. I mean, that's fine. You can do that. But a lot of times a track is a good way of saying, hey, this explains something that really concisely and clearly that I have trouble explaining. Can I, can I walk you through this? And, and you can use a track to walk you through a simple explanation of the gospel with someone as well. Another way to uh, share your faith is to ask a question. We've talked about this before. Ask a question like, hey, who do you think Jesus was? I think he was just a good teacher. Follow-up question, why? Or tell me more about that. You, you know, and so just to open the door. Again, different tools. If all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Okay, if, if you're sharing Jesus and you have different tools, you might say, you know what? I just met this person. Maybe they're not ready for a simple explanation of the gospel. They don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't even know if they're saved or unsaved. Maybe I start with a question. Maybe I share my story. You know, you know to have different tools to use to give people to, an answer to the hope that you have within you, as First Peter talks about. And then pray, invest, and invite. And so as you leave, there's two things we want to give you. Um, one is this little card. It says, pray, invest, invite. 
On the back, it says, this is what the Lord has commanded. I've made you a light for the nations that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And to write down on this card three names of people that you're going to pray for every day, that you're going to invest in relationally and invite them to take one of these, you know, and, and to invite them um, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe it's just through a question. Maybe you're just going to share your story. Maybe you're going to invite them to church. That's what this other thing is. is um, it's five tips how to invite anyone to church. So it's a little card that says five tips. Don't give that to someone, okay? <laughs> unless, unless they've come to Bridgewater and you want them to invite people to church, okay? Don't be like, hey, this is from my... This is, you know, that, that would be weird. Um, but under that is, is this card for the next series that starts next Sunday. Let's stop pretending. And it's about relationships. And even people who don't believe the Bible is God's word have to admit that it's the number one bestseller of all time. And if it has anything to say about anything, it talks about human relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship with each other. And so we're going to look at, at things in God's word that help us with our relationships, whether it's marriage or kids or coworkers or friends or, or whatever. And so use that card. I, I invited four or five people just this weekend, different you know, places that I was at. And here's, you know, there's five tips for inviting. Keep them in your wallet, purse, or car. Um, that's what I do. I always have a couple in my wallet and I pull them out. And uh, I know, you know, I got to give them away fast or else they'll get pretty beat up, right? Um, so that's tip number one. I'm going to give you tip number six of how to use these invites. Every one of them has our website on it. And so I, I did this with a man the other day. I met him at the kind of, a, anyway, wherever I met him, he was standing in line. I was standing in line and we got talking and apparently he recognized me and he came to our church, uh, you know, a year or two ago and um, but I, I, maybe this was a bad line for him, but here's a great line to use. There's a website address on there, so if you don't want to come in person and you want to watch it online and make sure we're not a cult first, you can do that, okay? This is the, the cult check website that you can use, and that way it'll be a little bit safer if you watch us online, you'd be more comfortable coming in person. But um, let, let's together work together and cooperate in trying to bring people to Jesus. Um, share your story, learn a simple explanation of the gospel, ask a question, and maybe even invite them to church. So it's, and you can say maybe, hey, it's about relationships, and you know, the Bible is really practical, and, and, and it has really helped me. Or maybe even you say something to the effect of, I'm not good with words. I'm not a talker. Would you come to my church with me and just listen to hear somebody say what I really want to tell you about, but I'm just not good at saying it. Um, Jesus is coming back. And I used to think it was probably not in my lifetime. I no longer think that. So many things have happened. So many things are in motion. I really do think Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? And are the people that you love and know ready? going to pray and then uh, at the end of the service we're going to sing a song and there's going to be some people up front with these cards um, we want to pray for you if you've never accepted Jesus as your savior we want to pray for you last week I had a man come forward he had cancer surgery this week if you're having surgery if there's something going on in your life if you have a child who you don't even know where they are wh whatever it might be 
we're up here and we're ready to pray for you um, as we conclude. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that, um, that Jesus didn't just come once to earth, but that he's coming again. Help us to be ready. Help us not to be asleep. Help us to get everybody in our lives ready for your return, as much as it depends on us. And God, I just, just thank you that our job is not to save anyone. Our job is just to tell people. And that's a win, and that's a victory. If we just tell people, that's all you want us to do, to talk to people. Because you're the one who can save people. We can't. You're the one who can change people's hearts and lives. We can't do that. But help us to do what you want us to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.